goes wrong. You're listening to the Gatherway Podcast. Go Tigers. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 33, folks. This is officially year two of the Galloway Podcast. And in 2019, we had 32 episodes. This is number 33 in the first of the 2020 calendar year and of the decade, for that matter. So, fired up for year two. Thank you so much for the support and listening and your interaction. Um... I really appreciate it. I mean, it means so much to me, and I'm fired up to kick off uh, this new year of plenty of podcasts, wonderful guests, and great content. And so I'm glad you're along for the ride, and let's get started because it's been just about a month since episode 32. So on today's episode 33... Uh, There's plenty to catch up on from what happened in the last month, and we're not going to spend the whole time doing that, but there are some high points that need to be discussed and some questions I want to ask. We're going to talk to Joey Molinaro, a writer and video personality from MS Digital. You've probably seen him on Twitter from his Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron impersonations. Hilarious. He'll have some of those for us. We're going to talk to Andrew Pratt. Uh, senior at the University of Alabama who had to do the Waffle House Challenge for losing his fantasy football league. That was a great conversation I had with him. You're really going to enjoy that. Um, he had a lot to share. And then we're going to talk a little Tide Hoops. Of course, Alabama is now 9-7, and seven, and we'll get into that, talk about um, – the game erupted this past weekend. We'll talk about Auburn. We'll talk about how the team is trending. And then we're going to close out looking around Alabama athletics, seeing what's going on here in Tuscaloosa with various athletic teams. As it is the spring semester, there's just games and matches and things going on around the clock here in Tuscaloosa. And Everywhere in the SEC, the spring is just such a busy time, so many sports to cover, so we're going to try and do that, the diligence um, that it deserves. But let's go ahead and get started here on the Galloway Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. You can stream the Galloway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. So what happened over the break that's huge? Well, Alabama football players going pro. Obviously, Alabama won the Citrus Bowl 35-16 to over Michigan. That was big, but we don't need to spend more time on that than we need to, uh, which is just a couple seconds because Alabama throttled Michigan. Um, It was a great way to end the season and kind of prove that Alabama still has that Bama factor. Now, who's going pro? Uh, Headliner, obviously, Tua Tagovailoa. He's joining Jerry Judy. He's joining Jedrick Wills, a plethora of other players. Some expected, uh, most expected, some not expected going to the draft, but guys like Najee Harris coming back. Um, Check out the full list on my Twitter page of who's coming back and who's out next season for Alabama. The conversation turns now to who's going to be the quarterback. Will it be Talia? Will it be Mac Jones? Will it be Bryce Young? That is a conversation for another podcast, and once spring football rolls around, we might have a better glimpse. But Nick Saban always says, When you look back at Jalen Hurts versus Tua, he said, who's going to win the team? And so that's my point I'm hammering home today here on the podcast. Um, When it comes to Alabama football, who's going to win the team? Is it going to be Bryce Young? Is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Talia? And we'll get into that later in the spring, uh, but that is headline news from this past break. LSU won the national championship. We'll talk with Joey Molinaro about that, who was there with Twitter Sports. A really cool experience um, for Joey. And... Look, just a quick thought on that game in this LSU team, 15-0. Joe Burrow is a bad man. I mean, he dominated college football, and he did it with so much swagger. That was just really, really fun to watch. And I know a lot of you might be Alabama fans. Some of you might be Auburn fans. Some of you might not care about college football. Um, but this LSU team was special. I mean, shattering records, beating top-ranked teams uh, week in and week out. Now, Speaking of rankings, Alabama finished the season ranked 8 in the AP poll, um, which I feel like is right where they should have been, you know, based off of the season that they had. Now, 
In episode 32, I just went off on Georgia being ranked five. Now, they finished the season ranked four. I'm not going to waste more time and explain to you why they don't deserve to be number four. I just think a general consensus, everyone knows and or should know that Georgia is not, absolutely not, not, not the fourth best team in the country. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, It's the postseason. LSU is the best team, and, and none of the other rankings matter, but it's just silly that Georgia finished four. But then again, it doesn't matter. Going to the NFL, Tom Brady is not retiring. He's coming back. Of course, the Patriots lost to the Titans in a wild card game, and uh, lots of people speculated it might be over for Tom Brady and the Patriots, but it's not. He's back. Also in the NFL, the Panthers' Luke Keekly is retiring at 28 after eight years in the NFL. So you look around the league, Andrew Lugg retiring, other guys retiring early. My question is, What's the future of the NFL in terms of players and their longevity? With all these guys retiring before the age of 30 or in their early 30s, what's happening in the NFL and what's causing all these guys to retire early? That's a question I just want you to think about. If you have any thoughts or opinions, tweet me at WM underscore Galloway and let me know. Um, but Definitely going to keep an ear to the ground and keep an eye out for the NFL and seeing what's going on. I mean, you look at guys like Brady, who obviously has a great offensive line and has been a great player for so long, and he's coming back. But you got guys on the other page, like Luke Keekley, who's retiring at 28. So, eyes on the NFL and, and the way it's, the game's played and the effects and the research, um, scientific research that people are having on, on head injuries and things. It's really interesting to see you know, certain players' longevity versus other players' longevity. Uh, going back to college football, man, the Egg Bowl just became a lot more interesting after Mississippi State announced the hiring of Mike Leach. Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl? Put that in the primetime game. I mean, sign me up. That is entertainment at its finest. Not to mention what the press conferences are going to look like leading up to it and then after the game. I mean, headliner in the state of Mississippi for the Egg Bowl in years to come. That's going to be awesome. Congratulations, Mike Leach. Welcome to the SEC. And speaking of the SEC, we're going to go ahead and kick it to the interview with Joey Molinaro here on the Galloway Podcast uh, for some impersonations and some pure, pure entertainment. Here's Joey. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a writer and video personality for MS Digital, and I call him the funniest person on Twitter. You've probably heard of him if you've been online in recent months during the college football season. His name is Joey Molinaro. You can follow him at Joey Molinaro on Twitter. And Joey, how you doing? Hey, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm recovering from the national title game a little bit. But uh, I'm glad to be on here with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Joey. I mean, you've really you've risen to stardom, and obviously, you've been doing um, these, you know, writings and, and video personality for for a long time, and and really took off this year. So, tell me about kind of your national championship experience and the past couple months. How you've just kind of risen? Uh, it's been fun to keep up with. Yeah, dude. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, so, it really, I mean, it, this whole kind of uh, run here started on. Um, the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day this past year, uh, I did a, a, an impression of Coach Saban, just a quick little 15-second one, and um, it really took off. Uh, you know, Sports Center and, and um, Sports Illustrated picked up on it, and a bunch of different people picked up on it on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, got over, got close to two million views, and um, people started taking notice from there, and then. From that, I just kind of rolled that into, you know, Coach O talking to Waterboy and then um, Nick Saban on Christmas Day, you know, after opening gifts and then Coach O and Saban before the college football playoff. And, you know, each one has just kind of grown and risen more and more. So, you know, with the more views and retweets and everything like that that they get and the more followers, like, you know how the cycle goes. Right, so right. It's really been, it's really been wild. And then um, the week before the title game, I got a message from uh, Twitter, Twitter Sports, a representative from there, and they were like, "Hey, uh, you know, we've we've loved watching all this stuff over the last handful of months, and we want to, uh, you know, reach out and offer you an invite to uh, the national championship game in our tweet suite." And they were like, "Everything's paid for, flight, you know, ticket to the game in the suite, hotel." And I was like, "Man, 
hell yeah i'm not passing that up sign so. me up yeah yeah i didn't think it was real i didn't think it was real for like i literally had to ask him like three or four times i was like all right man i mean this is this is funny and all but like you need my social security number <laughs> yeah what's like, what's the catch here right this is this is fake man how you you're, how you're ripping me off and they finally were like no they convinced me that it was real and uh, man so glad that i got to do that well tell us about that like what was the experience down there like with i'm sure you got the whole vip you know it's not, it's not just some regular fan experience if you're going with twitter sports tell us about that no yeah it, it really was so um went down there it was a really quick trip because i i they flew me out on monday morning you know the day of the game right and then I was in New Orleans for a little bit before the game. You know, I went to the Superdome, and then I get to the Superdome. And I'm kind of lost because I'm like, well, one, I've never been there before. But I'm looking around trying to say, like, okay, where are these suites? Like, this is the right section, but where am I? And they're like, oh, yeah, you're in this, you know, private elevator that takes you up to this private hallway to get to the suites. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm following up on that, and I'm walking through, and and, and it's just uh, it's crazy. And I get to the suite, and it's just an unbelievable view uh, right there in the end zone for LSU. And, um Man, everybody that ended up being in that suite was crazy. Yeah, the dude, perfect guys were in there. Um, you've probably seen Scooter Magruder. Yeah, he, he does a lot of social media videos and YouTube stuff as well. Uh, he was in there, and then uh, Drew Breed stopped in for a little bit. I got to do a little video with him, which is surreal because my wife cheered at Purdue, and so we we're we're Purdue fans, and we pulled for for the Boilermakers up here in Indiana. Uh, and obviously Drew Brees is a pretty legend, so we talked a little bit about that, but then obviously we were both pulling for the Tigers on Monday night, and uh, we got to do a little Coach O video, which was hilarious, and then uh, later on in the night, Alvin Kamara showed up, Michael Thomas showed up, uh, Devin White, it was, it was just, it was kind of like a who's who, really. No, yeah, not your, not your casual Monday night viewing experience. No, man, I mean, there was multiple times I've been telling people that I was sitting in the suite and Devin White's right behind me, and Alvin Kamara's to my left, and I'm, like, looking around the Superdome, and I, I didn't physically pinch myself, but in my mind, I just was like, man, just take all this in. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joey, so kind of walk us through, um, you talked about, you know, how you really jumped on it, and you've been at it for a while, but it really took off around Thanksgiving. Uh, what goes into your videos, um, and in terms of, like, getting everything out there and then the following that you've gotten and just how it's skyrocketed. Um, tell us kind of about your process of your video making and what goes into your one liners and things like that in your videos. Sure. Yeah, man. So it's like, I've been joking that it's kind of like, honestly, football itself. Like I, I, I go and I watch film, you know, I, if there's somebody that I'm really trying to you know, nail down or find something that I can do with an impression that I can turn into a video, I'll go and, Look up their press conferences, look up their halftime interviews, look up their post-game interviews, you know, look up little sports center featured things about them, you know, just so I can try to get down everything that I need, whether it's, um, you know, the mannerisms of them, how they're, how, you know, the cadence of how they talk, different things that they say, uh, how they say different things, you know, that can really trigger people to be like, oh, yeah, I got it. Um, so, I mean, as you know, with like coach Saban, obviously being down there, you know, a big thing is just, I, right. Instead of, yeah. All right. You know, it's just, right, a, it's right. just a straight eye. Um, how he says, uh, uh, program, he didn't say program. He says program. Mm-hmm. Um, so just different things like that, or whether it be having the Coke bottle in there. I mean, those are all the things that really encompass and make it be a full impression, in my opinion, because a lot of people, you know, some people who will tweet at me and be like, oh, well, that doesn't really sound like Dabo that much, or that doesn't really sound like blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I, I am trying to do their voice as best as I can, but a lot of what goes into the impressions is all of those things, you know, the the, the mannerisms, the cadence, right, the right. phrases that make it a full impression. It's more of what they're saying, not how they're saying it. Um, because if you watch like a, you know, a Saturday night live or a sketch comedy show like that, you know, people are, are impersonating people and playing people as the characters and they don't really look like them or sound like them that much, but it's just the comedic impression of what's going on in the conversation or in the scene that makes it funny. And so that's why when I come up with, and that's, what's important too, is the scenarios that I come up with, right? Like 
saving after opening Christmas gifts. Like, who, who was not going to think, like, oh, that'd be funny to see what Coach Saban is like if he's like how he is during a halftime interview talking to his family. Right, right. So the, the scenarios are important as well. Or, or, or Dabo talking to his wife about, you know, being early, kind of playing off of that interview that he did when they were talking about the college football playoff, not wanting Clemson to be in. But it's all, you know, it's a full process, man. I mean, it doesn't take that long, really, but, like, Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these videos. I'm trying to practice and get them down. I do a couple takes to, you know, that I don't ever release just because I want to get it on film to be like, all right, do I need to hit this harder? Do I need to be better at this? And then, you know, when I feel good about it, that's when I release it. Yeah, well, it cracks me up. And, and one thing that's funny to keep up with, too, is some fans will get so just caught up in, in loving their coach so much, whether it's a Clemson, Alabama, or LSU fan, and they, you know, they, they back their guy, and they're like, no, 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 that's not Saban. He doesn't do that. And they start coming at you, and you're like, it's for the sake of comedy. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, cut back a yeah. little bit. but Yeah, tell, uh, tell uh, Chris, what was his name, Chris Englewood? Or Englert, yeah, we had – uh, some yeah, yeah, people from Alabama say, "Well, that's not what he sounds like at all." And you know, yeah. you get yeah. I think you, you got see him around at a press conference. Tell him I said, "Hey, so." <laughs> I will I will responded yesterday to your saying that doesn't sound like him at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. But yep. what is what's been your favorite one and why? Favorite video, favorite impression. Uh, favorite video. Let's let's say favorite video. Who? Uh, man. I'd say probably the um, Coach O calling Saban before the college football playoff. Yeah. Uh, just because I felt like that was – it was quick. It was well-written in my opinion. You know, it was uh, it was a funny little conversation, the back and forth between them. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed that one because it, it was a – I mean, I did Bobby Boucher and, and, and Coach O, and that did really well, but the Coach O Saban was the first one that I had done in that kind of uh, scenario, you know, talking on the phone like that, yeah. um, you know, having a phone conversation. So that kind of opened my eyes up to, excuse me, there could be a different way to go about doing these things. And uh, that seemed to, that and the uh, Christmas one, with saving opening the gifts those have had the best response so far right um but i'd say that the conversation between O and saban has been my has been my favorite yeah hey joey i don't want to cut you off here but i think i've got coach o on the line calling in uh to this galloway podcast coach o can you tell me about your national championship and congratulations on your big win monday night well william certainly thank you for supporting the tigers even though you're down there in tuscaloosa i know it's a tough job but Going to Airways in Tuscaloosa, supporting the Tide, but then being kind to the Tigers as well. So we uh, we certainly appreciate that. LSU, uh, Louisiana was great on Monday night. Superdome was popping. I had a few Red Bulls. It felt really good. Had even more Red Bulls after we won the title. Felt even better. So Tigers are national champs. Go Tigers. Hey, absolutely, Coach. Thank you so much. And uh, can you talk about just Joe Burrow, Coach, and what he means to you as a person and everything he's done for your program? Well, certainly, I think Joe Burrow, the king of Louisiana, he's certainly the king of LSU. I'm just a prince to his king. Joe Burrow can do whatever he wants. He's the best football player I've ever seen. He's the best football player I've ever recruited. He's one of the told me he's going to go number one overall in Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know how that's going to go, but uh, he's the king of Louisiana. He's a national champ. And go Tigers. All right, Coach. Thank you so much. And, hey, I'm going to have to cut you off because I've got Nick Saban on the line, head coach uh, at the University of Alabama. Coach, you were down there, and I think it was an Aflac suit on Monday night. I think they sponsored you to, to wear that, that blue suit. Either that or Miss Terry uh, was dressing you up. But, Coach, what was it like to watch uh, your division rival and, and a team you lost to at home this year go into New Orleans and win the national championship, and you were on the sideline and not coaching? Well, William, I don't really have time to worry about that. All right, I was down there. Miss Terry, she did provide that suit for me. I didn't really care for it too much. I get enough slack about the Affleck commercials already. All right, so I was down the sideline. I got Lee Corso in my ear, but I'm just trying to root. I'm just trying to get some upper hand and advantage on these two teams for next year when we come back on our revenge tour. All right, so I don't really have time to worry about a suit. I don't have time to worry about Lee Corso. I'm trying to run a football program here, so I'd appreciate if you just quit asking. 
Oh, yes, sir, Coach. I apologize. I apologize. But uh, with, with you running your football program, obviously the offseason is a hot topic now. And, uh, Coach, what's going into this offseason with, with Tua gone and, and uh, a lot of your juniors headed out? What's, what's going on within the program right now, Coach Saban? Uh, again, I can't really worry about who's not going to be here, who is going to be here. All I can work with is who is going to be here. If they're not going to be here, two wants to go pro, that's what's best for him. I don't really have a decision on that. All right? I can't worry about that. All I got to do is take the guys who are going to be coming in, work with them the best I can. I don't have time for outside distractions to think about dudes who are going to the NFL, think about dudes who don't want to come back to Alabama. We just want people who want to be at Alabama, all right? So that's all I can do. That's all I can worry about. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on this offseason, all right? All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Coach. I apologize. and uh, But but thank you for your time, Coach. Thank you for your time. And uh, now, you know, we talk about Dabo Sweeney, and I think he's calling in now. Um, Coach Sweeney, you won 29 straight, but you fell at the hands of Coach Ogeron. And uh, tell, tell us what it's like to, to lose for the first time in two years, Coach. William, I mean – it's always been little old Clemson can't do this. Little old Clemson can't do that. And we've been 15 and one in our last 16 against the SEC. And LSU rolls out a team of destiny, a team of destiny. All right, and it's still little old Clemson ain't getting no respect. So we're gonna remember that next year. We're gonna remember that. We're gonna come back and get the Tigers again because we're the real Tigers. We've shown it over the last five years. That's a flash in the pan there by Coach O. That's a flash in the pan. So we're going to be ready for him. No disrespect anymore for Clemson, all right? We're not going to be little old Clemson anymore. We're going to be back next year. Yeah, well, Coach, I know you've got Trevor Lawrence coming back, and he's going to be the Heisman leading candidate. And uh, Joey's back on the line. Joey, those are pretty good. (laughs) Thanks, dog. <laughs> I was biting my, biting my tongue to let you get through it, but, man, yeah, yeah. you do a great job. Thanks, dude. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I just, uh, you know, I just roll with them, and, and whatever comes to my mind, I kind of just spew out there. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, man, Joey, this is uh, – I want to I do uh, one, one quick thing with you before we go. Can I get you to say uh, this is Coach Ogeron, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, here we go. <clears throat> This coach Ed Old's wrong. You're listening to the Galloway podcast. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I don't know if an Alabama boy can keep the uh, Go Tigers. Oh, that's there, that's perfect. That's my intro. My intro for the past has been uh, Reese Davis. He came and spoke to students, and I've I've worn that one out, so I can incorporate this. Um, this Coach O one now and, and kick fans off with a laugh. But, hey, Joey Molinaro, folks, follow him on Twitter. I'm sure you do. And uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of content leading up to football season uh, next fall. Give him a follow. And, Joey, thanks so much for coming on, talking about the game, and, uh, and giving us plenty of entertainment. Hey, William, thanks for having me, man. I'll be talking to you soon, all right? All right, sounds good. Once again, that's Joey Molinaro. You can follow him on Twitter at Joey Molinaro. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, we've got a great intro there now with the Ed Orgeron Welcome to the Galloway podcast. So we'll be using that for uh, for the time being. And moving on now here to our next segment, we've got a lot uh, to cover uh, as we roll on here on the Galloway podcast. So we're going to kick it over to Andrew Pratt, and we're going to talk about some waffles. I had a great conversation with him, and you're really going to enjoy this, folks. Um Keep an ear out for the calorie count. I mean, Andrew really put himself to the challenge, so let's hear from him and his Waffle House experience. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a senior at the University of Alabama, and if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw uh, and had a good laugh at his expense (laughs) this past weekend. Uh, Andrew Pratt. Andrew lost his fantasy football league and had a, a a pretty cruel punishment. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us about that and kind of uh, your experience this past weekend and where you were? Um, so, I was at Waffle House for uh, the punishment was twenty four hours at a Waffle House. Every waffle you eat subtracts an hour, and um, I mean it was it was tough. Uh, I went into it, of course, like the rest of us, thinking it wasn't going to be me, 
And um, when you draft Todd Gurley as your first pick, and he is the 16th, I think, the 16th overall running back at the end of the year, um, that's how you end up becoming the last person in your fantasy football league. Um, I was So I got there right after class at 10.51, I think, and um, all the people in the group, you know, wanted me to live stream it so they could keep up with the waffles and the time I spent there and, you know, entertain everyone. Um, it really blew up after your tweet because I tweeted about it earlier and right. then, and then um, I responded when you mentioned it. Uh, I think it got up to like 142 likes. Uh, I just got a Twitter in like November, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> it took all. I think you got probably 30 followers or 40 followers yeah, on Twitter that day, think, and then probably tons on Instagram as well. Yeah, I got about. I had about 45 going in, and now I'm at 84. <laughs> well, there, you there, <laughs> so you there you go. There you go. I'm nearly doubling your numbers. Yeah. So it got a lot of traction. Um, I think. I think, think they're talking about it on Jocks. Really? On, on the radio in Birmingham. I know a bunch of Birmingham parents were following it, and obviously really? students everywhere here. And, yeah. I did, um, um, the past – so I went – I didn't go out uh, Friday night after it, but Saturday um, went out, and I think probably 100 different people asked me how I was feeling. Um, and the answer was better, but not great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so you step in there. You said 1051. Uh, 24 hours in the Waffle House. How many did you think you could reasonably eat, and how many did you end up eating, and then what time did you leave? And then we'll get into the details. Okay. Um, going into it, I thought I could eat 12 in 12 hours, but that was kind of wishful thinking. I ended up eating 14 and 10, um, thanks to the last couple, the Waffle House employees. I think they felt bad for me. They made them pretty thin, um, but it was it was hard work. So 14 waffles. Yeah. That's nearly, I think, 6,000 calories. So yeah. there's 410 calories, if I'm right, in a Waffle House waffle. Right. What, what is it like <laughs> putting that many calories in your body and it's, you're eating the same thing over and over? What is that like? Uh, it's monotonous. It's tough. Um, I think I gained four pounds and my stomach, <laughs> <laughs> my stomach was bloated for two, three days. I mean, this morning, actually, I was eating breakfast and uh, Daniel Prop was um, eating pancakes and poured syrup on it. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. My stomach got upset looking at it. I had to turn away and finish the oh, rest of my, my breakfast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, all right, you just went straight regular Waffle House waffle. Right. No syrup. Did you get syrup at any point? Or did so, you- the first one I enjoyed, I just took the time to enjoy it. Um, I had a little bit of butter on there, syrup, just normal second one i feel like the second one was only tough because i was supposed to be there like i was being forced so the second one was kind of tough but not that bad but after that you know those things are thick so after that every single waffle was tough and i figured out the best way um to do it was just like a little bit of syrup on the side of the plate and just you know dip (laughs) just enough to cut the taste of just the batter um yeah, just just enough syrup, nothing too much. I did have sausage in between a couple of them just to cut the taste a little right. bit and get some protein because I, mean, yeah. I could feel You're the sugar shakes. Putting all that bread and sugar in your body, you <laughs> yeah. got to have something. Yeah. yeah, that's really smart. Did you drink anything with it? Um, I had one cup of Sprite, um, one Coke, and the rest was water. Um, I dipped. I had two waters, actually. I dipped the waffles in another water at one point, and... Uh, that just, it went down smoother, but it almost made me want to throw up because it was pretty gross going in. Did you develop a new appreciation for food eating contests, people like Joey Chestnut oh, and things like that? Dude, I don't understand. I, I heard he uh, I heard he once ate 18 waffles in 10 and a half minutes before, and I don't, I have no, I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. I mean, 14 in 10 hours was more than enough. <laughs> okay, so we, we jump into the process. You're there just as time ticks on. What is it like in that Waffle House? I mean, obviously, you get to know the employees, and right. you know they have a good time at your expense. Right. But tell me about that experience as it turns more into from that first waffle from enjoying it to later waffles where you're just sitting there, you're feeling you know dead inside. Right, right. And uh, what was it like in the Waffle House, and what did you feel like as time went on? So the first one to three hours, you know, it was kind of funny. Uh, I told the employees when I walked in, I sat at that little bar on the left side. 
I told the employees going in what I was doing so they didn't think I was just some weirdo talking to my phone, documenting waffles. So I told them that. Um, one girl was giving me, uh, her name was Dia. Shout out Dia. She was giving me tips, uh, even though there's no way she knew. <laughs> she had never do done it. this. Yeah. No way she, she didn't knew. lose her fantasy league. Right, right. So, uh, but she was giving me some tips. Um, they thought it was funny. Uh, I had a couple visitors come throughout the day, and they'd interact with them too. They even wanted us to, my friend Finn, to go back to his place to get a football and toss the football around with them. <laughs> um, so they, they had fun with it. Uh, and then the shift change happened. And when the shift change happened at noon, I think it was, so about two and a half hours in, uh, it just I didn't realize how many people didn't go to Waffle House. And between the hours of noon and like 10 p.m. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just don't go get an afternoon snack at Waffle right, House. Right. So th- I got lonely. I um, pro tip: hook up to the jukebox. It does cost some money, but you're in there for at least 10 hours. Uh, you can play some songs on, and you do it through your phone called this app called Touch Tunes. Okay. And so I, I played some music. You were you were definitely man in the stereo yeah. uh, Friday afternoon yeah. and evening. So it got I mean it got really tough, and then um, probably like five hours in, and then I had three friends come visit me. And one of my friends uh, had a dollar, and he went up to the jukebox, and he played Enter Sandman, <laughs> and that was like the halfway point. Like okay. Let's get it going again. And you'd had how many at that point? You know, seven, okay. seven and five hours. And when he showed up, played Enter Sandman. I said two more. Two <laughs> Let's more. Get it Let's going. go. Power. And that that really helped. Um, I de- I devoured that. Well, I say devoured, but ate that eighth waffle probably in about twenty minutes, which was the quickest besides yeah. the first two up to that point. Um, but you can't try and eat them too fast because um, you'll. You'll gag. Um, but you don't want to go too slow either. You just got to kind of get into a rhythm, I right. found, which helped. Um, so obviously, you got to pay for these waffles. I mean, this isn't a sponsorship. You know, right. you lose your fantasy league. So yeah. not only do you have to do the challenge, but you have to pay for it. So what was the tab at the end after the sausage, the 14 waffles, yeah. the different drinks, and the and the jukebox? It was just the bill with tip. It was 45 because they cut me break two dollars waffle instead of 330 on the last 10 <laughs> on the last 10 <laughs> on the last 10 um can't remember the last time i had a last 10 waffles yeah on waffle last that's 10. never hopefully, actually hopefully you never have to say that uh the last 10 waffles i had but it ended up being 45 dollars just the tab and then i think i spent like five dollars ten dollars on the jukebox um but i did my friends some of them did help me out you know venmoed me like dedicate a waffle to me Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you suck. Little comment. So that was that was uh that was nice. Um but yeah, pretty expensive and painful punishment. Yeah. So you talk <laughs> about the pain when you step out, it's all over without giving up too much information. Just what was it like afterwards? I mean the 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 moment after and then the hours and then the the days after. You mentioned this morning you were not feeling good when you um had surf. Right, right. So uh the 30 minutes leading up to it, I had um, already ate the amount of waffles I needed to leave at the end of that hour. So that was just anticipation. You know, I was ready to get out of there. It was st- like the walls were starting to creep in. I mean, it it's very miserable being in a Waffle House for 10 hours. Um, so the last 30 minutes, very, very, like... Uh, more f- a lot more fun <laughs> than right, any other right. rest of the time there. Yeah, you see the you actually see the finish line. Right, right. So and then as soon as I was done, I paid my bill, um, said thank you to all the employees for being so nice and everything, and then left. And uh, one of my friends took a picture of me outside, and I went and looked, and I I had a raincoat on. It was raining. I could see my stomach portrayed <laughs> into the raincoat, which doesn't happen normally. And I was like. I don't this think I'm going to post this one. <laughs> and uh, so I felt good, drove back to the house, and um, all my friends were getting ready to go out. And I was like, you know what, I, I might I might try and go out. And went upstairs, took a shower. And as, a, as soon as I got out, I guess I was just riding a sugar high, because as soon as I got out of the shower, put my clothes on, I felt awful. Uh, my stomach was like two times larger than it normally was. Um, I just had to go to bed. I mean... 
I felt like I hadn't slept in 24 hours. That's oh, kind of how word. I felt. And I had, like, I guess I didn't have enough protein in there to make me just kind of balance that right. out. So I would suggest maybe, like, five pieces of sausage instead okay. of two. Um, but, I mean, there's not much you can do when you eat 14 yeah. waffles. No, okay, so, so people hear about this, and people talk a big game like, oh, I could, you know, I could down 20 waffles in four hours and, and get <laughs> yeah. out of there. Like, what would you say to people who think that they could eat a lot and people that look at you and say, oh, like, I could do more? Because like, until you get in that position, it's extremely difficult. I would say nonsense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I feel like I went in there with pretty reasonable expectations, and I'm, I think I met him. But, uh, I mean, it was so hard. It was so hard. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do, honestly, like just physical pain in my yeah, stomach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there. Well, I guess we know there's someone out there, Joey Chestnut. Uh, but I don't think there's a lot of people out there that can eat more than 14, 15 waffles in 10 hours. Yeah. Waffle House waffles. Right. Because, like, those things are thick. They're not aired out in the middle at all. I'm sure there's other waffles out there that would have been easier. Um, but Waffle House waffles are – I think – I mean, that's – why they picked this challenge is because it was so hard. Yeah. yeah. So what was the first thing you ate after and when was that? Um, really late that night since I went to bed, like nine thirty, I woke up and, uh, my friends, um, were coming back and we just made sandwiches. Um, I had to get some protein in me and I ended up like taking like two bites out of the sandwich and just taking the bread off and eating the Had turkey. the meat. Yeah. yeah. So, some turkey, um, and then the next morning, I had uh, just some fruit. Um, I thought might would help my stomach, <laughs> uh, and then later a salad just to kind of cleanse myself. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay, so the the challenge is over, and then the weekend you get to the weekend. Um, listeners, one thing you may or may not know about Andrew is that he's a big Kentucky fan, and being a senior right. at Alabama, um, kind of moving on back to the the sports focus of the podcast here. Um, huge Kentucky basketball fan, and I was I went to Lexington this weekend. I was fortunate to go up there with uh, Britton Johnson's dad and spend a weekend kind of with players' families and 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 see that whole scene. But um, moving into basketball talk now. Have you been to Rupp before, and how many times have you been? Yes, I've been to Rupp before. My uh, my mom's parents and my grandparents um, donated money to the university and ended up getting uh, season tickets when she was probably like 14. And so now that both of my parents went to school there and they're getting older, they just give the season tickets to us. So growing up, I've probably went to Rupp Arena in between – probably around 15 times, maybe a little more. Um, the best game I ever went to was the Harrison Twins uh, when they were freshmen versus Florida when they were, like, number one all season long. Right. I think that's the loudest sports environment I've ever been It's in. It's crazy. And if you're listening to the podcast and you've never been there, you need to bookmark it. I'd put it up there with, with things like I've done, like going to Augusta. Yeah. I mean, it is the mecca of college basketball. You, you compare it to Cameron Indoor Stadium, never been there, never been um, to, to see UCLA or, or Kansas at the Fieldhouse, but it is – it's Bryant-Denny Stadium for college basketball. Right. I think it right. seats, what, 21, 23,000? Yeah, it used to seat 24-plus, and then after the renovations, I think it's around 22. And as an Alabama basketball fan, I mean, we, you and I go to just about all the games, mm-hmm. and, and we see the environment, and it's red seats, and it's fans that aren't really loud, and, right. and a lot of them are there for Tide Pride points. And, <laughs> and obviously, Nate Oates is turning that around, but to go up there to Lexington and to see Alabama take on Kentucky, and you go down into the lower bowl, and you look up around – it feels like a college football environment in terms of what it feels like at Alabama right. because the fans are passionate. They're standing up. They're cheering. Right. They're in unison. They're pregame videos, you know, with all the tradition and the national mm-hmm. championships that they have. Um, I equate it to, to Alabama football. Yeah, I think that's a perfect um, comparison. Uh, I've never been to Cameron or uh, what is it, Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, Allen Fieldhouse. I've never been to those places. I want to because it's. I, I hear it's a little different, smaller, but probably just as loud. Um, but I mean, growing up a Kentucky fan, I love that place. Uh, and you're right; all the fans are always in unison, and um, it's 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 just like being at Bryant Denny for 
a big game here yeah. for uh, football. Absolutely. So, yeah. And Alabama played well, not well enough, didn't shoot the ball right. well enough. Um, but some big takeaways I had from that weekend, it was my first time going to Lexington, stayed in a hotel that was literally connected to right. Rupp. And uh, get up there Friday night and fans are checking into the hotel for a college basketball game the next morning. It, yeah. is, a, it is a noon tip-off, but you never see anyone check into a hotel for an Alabama basketball game unless it's the visiting team or the people for ESPN calling the game. Yeah. And that was yeah. fascinating to me. Just Big Blue Nation lives up to its name. It's blue everywhere. Um, just a really, really good experience up there. Yeah. Um, I really wanted us to win, like, because I tell my dad every time we play, it's always more beneficial for Alabama basketball right. to beat Kentucky because right. Kentucky's going to be fine either way. Um, so I was really rooting for us, um, but I'm really glad you got to experience Rupp Arena because, I mean, I've wanted to take friends up there just because it's such a special environment. But um, I will say, like, I, you always expect either – if you want to win in Rupp Arena, you have to play out of your mind. Um, and a lot of times teams do and still lose. But uh, I really expected Petty or Kyra to just, you know, take in the environment and be like, let's go yeah. and just go off for a big game. But you can't win in Rupp Arena unless someone does that. And, unfortunately, we had a bad shooting. Yeah, game. bad shooting. But that Kentucky defense was stout. A um, bunch of their guys stepped up. I mean, Emmanuel quickly, five of six from three, was just unbelievable. Yeah. Blink, and he had, you know, nine more points right. in, in two minutes. I feel like that always happens to Alabama, too. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? Two just years these ago, silent a year killers. ago, winning Gabriel. Uh, just kind of uh, went off. Nine, it was, yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways, hey, Andrew Pratt on the Galloway podcast sharing his Waffle House uh, <laughs> experience and his Rupp expertise. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Thank you, Andrew, and uh, my condolences to you and your fantasy team uh, in your stomach. That sounded absolutely brutal. But really enjoyed talking hoops with Andrew as well. Obviously, Kentucky is such um, a special place to so many of their basketball fans, and when you get the chance to go up there and experience it yourself, uh, it's just unlike anything else in college basketball. Hey, you know what else was uh, unlike anything in college basketball was Alabama. Wednesday night in Coleman Coliseum, an 83-64 to win over Auburn. Crimson Tide improves to 9-7 overall, 2-2 two two in conference play. And uh, folks, I'm going to say this in the next couple minutes uh, over and over and over. But Alabama is trending in the right direction. And I think they are trending better than any team in the Southeastern Conference right now, uh, just playing their best basketball. And here's why. Over the break, Alabama had five straight games scoring 90-plus points. That was the first time in school history that Alabama has done that. Five straight, 90 points. Unbelievable basketball. Started the Sanford game, um, I think it was 105 versus Sanford and Birmingham, Belmont, Richmond, Florida, Mississippi State, all 90-plus games. Just incredible. The high-octane offense that Nate Oates is implementing um, was just put on for show over the break. Now, obviously, you go into Kentucky, and they had just a great defensive effort. We talked about that with Andrew. But um, as I said, trending upward. Alabama is playing better and better despite some recent losses. Probably should be 3-1 and one in conference play, but there's certain things out of your control um, that happen. And, you know, not hitting shots and not getting calls on the road, which is to be expected in, in some capacity. But Alabama's playing really good basketball right now if you're seeing the product that they're playing on the court and not just looking at the numbers. We will look at some of the numbers. Um but just what Alabama is putting on the court is so much better than what it has been the last four, five, six, go up to 10 years. I mean, this new era of NATO's basketball is pure entertainment. John Calipari said after the Kentucky game on Saturday that no one wants to play Alabama and that he would dread playing Alabama in the tournament. And he's exactly right. Auburn didn't want any of it last night. A 19-point win for Alabama. You look at the energy in Coleman Coliseum last night, and... It was just unbelievable. The students did a great job. The fans did a great job. The place was packed. The place was loud. And that's what it should be. That's what Nate Oates is trying to build night in and night out. Remember, that was a Wednesday night game. Of course, people are going to get up for Auburn um, like they do every year and with every sport. But that's a Wednesday night game. That's the culture that Nate Oates is trying to build here at Alabama. Now, a, a couple of details about the game. I, I think... 
that that was Auburn's first challenge all season. You know, they haven't played a quadrant one or two team. When you play teams like Lehigh and Colgate and CSUN and Lipscomb, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can go 15-0 and with no issues. Anybody can do that. You're essentially, that's essentially a high school varsity basketball team scrimmaging a JV team from anywhere else in the state that's just not good at all. At Auburn's didn't challenge themselves with a non-conference schedule. And so, of course, they're 15-0. and And they come into Tuscaloosa, and they play a team who's trending upwards, and they suffer at the hands of Alabama. I mean, Alex Reese made Austin Wiley look silly last night. Alabama shut down Auburn's scores. You look at uh, McCormick and, and Dowdy, who were averaging double figures, and they score 11 combined points. I mean, Alabama is playing incredible basketball. I mentioned that Reese dominated Wiley. Kyra Lewis had a cool 25 points and stepped up huge. Auburn played pretty well defensively, locking up guys, the shooters like Petty and Shackelford, but Bama had guys step up. Herb with a, uh, another offensive game, um, scoring 14 last night, and of course a fantastic defensive effort. You know you're going to get him that effort from him night in and night out. But here's my thing. That game was not an upset, and here's why. It goes back to Alabama trending upwards and has been playing really good basketball leading up to this game. Um, and the Quadrant 1, the Quadrant 2 games that Auburn hasn't played all season – Rankings, to me, rankings don't mean as much in college basketball anymore. Look how many number ones have lost this season. Look how many top fives have lost this season. Anybody can beat anybody. Just ask Virginia, UMBC. Hey, sorry, Dad. Sorry, John. I had to bring it up. But anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and rankings, to me, are not irrelevant, but not nearly as important in college basketball as they are in, say, I don't know, college football. Nate Oates said after the game, we're playing our best basketball. We just got to be above 500 and go on a winning streak. This Alabama team, you're hearing me say this right now, can win the SEC. Sure, they're 9-7. and seven. Sure, they lost at Florida and should have won. And, and had have some other games they should have won in non-conference as well. But the SEC is a new season. Alabama is going in the right direction, can turn this thing around, and if they go on a win streak like Nate Oates wants to and expects to, Look out, SEC. It's any man's game, and Alabama's here to take over. And I'm here to tell you, Alabama is playing the best ball in the SEC right now. Look at the way they just shut down Auburn, who everyone thought was was all that in a bag of chips, and just absolutely dominated them. And Alabama, I'd say, even played an A-, minus A, maybe even a B-plus game. They only shot 6 of 21 from 3, but they found ways to dominate in ways they're not comfortable with, with Reese playing big and Kyra stepping up. Um, If you're Auburn, how do you not guard Kyra Lewis? I understand you want to stop the three and prevent Petty and and Shackelford from shooting threes, but also you have a potential first-round draft pick in Kyra Lewis that you better stop or he's going to get his. And last night, he got his. Great environment last night. Great win over Auburn. Next up for Alabama, Missouri, Saturday at 2.30 in Coleman Coliseum. That game is on the SEC Network. I'm loving watching Alabama basketball right now play better and better and better each game. There's tons of upside. And stay with this Alabama team because they can make a run. I'm telling you, last night was not an upset. That Auburn team is talented, but I don't think they're all that good because they haven't played anybody until last night, and look what happened. But that's Alabama basketball. There's plenty more conference play to go. It's going to be a grind, and for every team in the SEC, it's a challenge. Night in, night out. You're playing two games a week. You're playing stiff competition. There's plenty left to go, but folks, I'm telling you, if you haven't bought stock, buy stock in this Alabama basketball team right now. Hey, you know who else you need to buy stock in? Alabama softball, selected as the preseason SEC favorite. They're going to have a stout pitching staff, and they're looking to return to Oklahoma City. Remember Alabama was selected to finish eighth last year in the SEC? Yeah, eight was their number. And they ended the season in the Women's College World Series. So they're trying to get back to OKC this year. I believe they can. Coach Patrick Murphy believes they can. Their players believe they can. Um, It's going to be fun. 
Packout Road Stadium. Renovations are going to be done uh, by as early, I believe, as February 1st. And uh, it's going to be a fun spring for Alabama softball. Alabama football, elsewhere in Alabama athletics, scheduled a home-and-home with Georgia Tech for 2030 and 2031. I don't know how old you will be then. I'll be, oh gosh, 31 and 32. Yikes. Big yikes. But Alabama with a chance to restore the traditional game with Georgia Tech, as Georgia Tech was obviously an SEC team um, back in the dark ages. But that's exciting that Alabama gets that, another Power 5 non-conference home-and-home for the Crimson Tide in the far future. Number 9, Alabama Gymnastics is hosting number 1, Oklahoma, Friday night in Coleman Coliseum. That's going to be a great test for Dana Duckworth and her team. Also, the Alabama volleyball team is kind of cleaning house on its roster. Coach Lindsey Devine keeping some seniors and the players she recruited, uh, but a lot of girls are gone. There's currently five new girls on the roster. A majority of them are freshmen. But when Alabama volleyball tips things off next fall in Foster Auditorium, you're going to see a lot of new faces. Coach Devine is, is implementing her style and the players she wants for this Alabama program. Alabama soccer welcomed three early enrollees for um, this spring semester. They're going to get started on the pitch in August. Alabama soccer looking to uh, make a run and try and get some more wins next year and, and, and get in to that NCAA tournament. Also with the spring baseballs around the corner, men's and women's, men's and women's tennis seasons are kicking into gear. For the full Alabama Athletics Report, check out RollTie.com to see the full spring schedule. There's stuff going on nearly every day and, of course, every weekend here in Tuscaloosa for your Alabama fandom. Hey, folks, that's going to do it for us on this Galloway podcast. I want to remind everybody to follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Would love any feedback on the podcast. Also, if you're looking for some podcast merchandise, there are koozies for sale. An order was placed yesterday for some new Nike gray hats, some white hats, and, of course, um, looking into T-shirts. I know I've been saying that for a couple episodes now, but... They will be in the next order, and we will get those T-shirts out there. So appreciate your support of the Galloway Podcast and repping the brand. Tweet me anytime you're wearing a hat or using your koozie, and uh, and I'll retweet you. Love love to see everyone supporting the brand, and appreciate everything uh, that y'all do in terms of listening to the podcast and promoting it and sharing it with your friends. So that does it for episode 33, a longer episode but an entertaining episode of the Galloway Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.